everyone, welcome to the Paw Awareness Podcast, and thanks for joining me. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, and also check us out at pawawareness.org and on Instagram at pawawareness underscore official. On Instagram, we are doing submissions for Pet of the Week, where you can submit your foster pet and we'll pick one winner every month and we'll give $200 to their choice of charity or foster. Thanks for watching and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone and welcome to the Paw Awareness Podcast. Today I have Daniel Edinger, an animal protection officer with us and I've never brought anyone like him on the program before. I'm really excited to ask you questions. Thanks a lot for coming on. Go ahead and introduce yourself and what it is that you do. Well, thanks for having me. First and foremost, I want to just shout you out, man. I, I've seen, seen and listened to your podcast and I like what you have going on here. And as far as my background, man, I've been an animal protection officer for about 11 years. I started as a volunteer, uh, just kind of working my way through the animal welfare w- world and found that this, this was something that I was just extremely passionate about, right? the ability to help people and the ability to help animals all in one kind of uh, career, uh, you can't get that anywhere else. And so that's kind of what propelled me to be where I am today. That's so cool. And like you said, not only about the animals, but about the people as well. And what it actually, you know, for someone who doesn't know what an animal protection officer does, or maybe someone thinking about getting into that career, right? What is it that you're doing? You know, what different tasks are you doing on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, and a lot of people know us as the animal control officer. And it's one of my soapboxes where I teach a class about just the history of our profession and the future of where, you know, where we should be. And we have about 25 different names that define us. So animal control officer, animal protection, animal services. And so on a day-to-day basis, we all do about the same thing. It just depends on your size of your, your city, your jurisdiction, et cetera. And typically you come in, you, you, know, you get your uniform if you don't have that on before you get to work. You'll check into your computer system to see kind of what calls are in your district or your area. Uh, you'll prioritize the calls based on you know, the response time. If it's like a, a lot of people think we just drive around and patrol for stray animals, the truth of the matter is most of us are handling complex investigations for an animal bite or an animal cruelty or neglect investigation. So you have to go through all that, uh, check your history, make sure you have all the information you need. So when you get out on the call, you're prepared to either speak with the person or possibly contain an animal. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, it sounds like it just varies so much based on where you're at. And what is training like that or schooling like that for? Like, how does that look? Because does it, I mean, does it vary from place to place or what is that like? When I started, there wasn't much. And now I actually just got word a university in the northeast part of the country uh, has approval to start a, a certification. Uh, they want to make it into a master's, an actual master's degree for animal uh, welfare investigations. But I think they're starting first on a on kind of like a trial basis to see how this course goes. And so now you have courses popping up in colleges, right? You have specific training institutes like the Law Enforcement Training Institute that um, is accredited through the University of Missouri, right? And they offer the National Animal Cruelty Investigation School. You have NACA, the National Animal Care and Control Officer Association. You have Code 3, which is a coalition 
for animal control officers. And then there's several more. There's humane educators in Texas. Uh, it, the list goes on. And so wherever you are regionally, you can find some sort of education that will propel you into this profession because a lot of people don't have that experience. Say you go to college and you get a, you know, a criminal justice degree, that's great, or a background in biology, so you have some animal uh, science understanding. Uh, but getting these specific trainings on our profession, is, it's, it's growing. There's a lot more options than there were. Yeah, and especially too with, you know, people trying to, you know, like you said, find these animals and, and you know, stray animals or what, what have you. I guess what kind of animals too, are you like going into people's homes or is it mainly, do you work with that? And another question kind of piggyback on that is like, has COVID affected what you do drastically or how does that like? So think about law enforcement, right? Uh, we are basically law enforcement for everything animal. So if there's a complaint at someone's home for, let's say, uh, an obscure one or something that we don't hear about all the time, guinea pigs living in um, an enclosure that's filled with feces, right? So now we have to go into that home and perform a welfare check, make sure that the living conditions for the common that I think our profession deals with are the visible animals, your dogs, right? Your horses. Uh, some livestock, things that people can see because then they can call about it. A dog left outside without access to proper shelter, depending on where you live in the country, right? The cold weather, the hot weather might be shade. As far as COVID goes, unfortunately, we've seen an increase in crimes against animals. When there is such a thing like a pandemic and people are just on edge, the, the numbers in domestic violence reports go up animal cruelty and domestic violence are linked. So what that means or what that looks like is if somebody, if somebody is in a situation where domestic violence is occurring and there's an animal, the likelihood of that animal also being abused is very high. And so unfortunately, uh, we have seen an increase. And uh, I know the country has seen an increase in some domestic violence cases as well. Interesting. Okay. So yeah, no, that's that makes total sense. And what do you say? Like, what's your favorite thing about what it is that you do? And also, I guess I should have asked this earlier. How long have you been in this field? Yeah, so I've been in the field for about 11 years or going on about 11 years now in April. So uh, that'll be the benchmark there. And then I think my favorite part is a couple things, man. Uh, being able to serve the community, right? So doing something greater than yourself, having an ability to, and I know this sounds cliche, but be a voice for the voiceless, right? Uh, you go into a situation where you can help an animal that can't speak, uh, that, that doesn't have the opportunity to tell you what happened. Uh, and, and then you're there to kind of bring justice or, or maybe some peace to the situation. And so that is an extremely rewarding thing. Uh, but I also love the engagement of the community. This is a, a small kind of niche community where, uh, you know, we share things a lot with each other and, and there's not many like us. And so we all kind of bond and that's a nice, nice perk of the job as well. That's really cool. I never thought of it like that. Like actually, like you're get, helping out these animals that can't say anything. And what would you say to, you know, let's say there's some people on the fence. I mean, I, I as an 18 year old, 19 year old really didn't have any idea what I wanted to do. I mean, 
for someone thinking about getting into this field, what is like, I know it's kind of a broad question, like what's one piece of advice that you'd have for them or anything along those lines? Well, real talk, man, I was that same kid at 18, uh, 1920. I was a punk, to be honest with you. <laughs> like I, I had no, uh, no ambition, no desire to do uh, anything but to try to impress other people and, and be cool and still hang out with the college kids and, and just party and do all that dumb shit. Uh, the, the truth of the matter is, if I could give any advice, start early, man. If I started, like if I found this profession that I loved uh, when I was just getting out of college, 19, or I, I didn't go to college, but just getting out of high school, that college year, uh, 19, 20, 21, getting into this profession, I'd be close to retirement already. You know what <laughs> I mean? And so like, and then you can double dip, right? You can get your retirement and get a job that you're still passionate about and do both at the same time. And so for me, like I would give that advice, like start early, go volunteer, go check it out. Like go jump in a, jump out of shelter and just say, Hey, like, can I get in here and, and help clean up poop? I mean, it doesn't matter. Cause when you start, right. When you do something, when you're giving your time, you're going to get something back. And, and maybe it doesn't um, turn into this profession specifically, but it might open your eyes to other things. Oh, that's such good advice. Start early. I mean, you can't beat that. <laughs> uh, same regrets I have over here. Wish I would have started sooner. And what are some things do animal protection officers or anyone in that scope of things, do they work with rescues at all or shelters or anything like that often? Or is it kind of like a one-off thing? How does that work? We do. And, you know, it's just going to depend on your agency. The This profession is so over all over the place. And I don't necessarily mean that in a bad thing. The reality is some of us are under a police department. Some of us are under public health and environment. Some of us are under facilities management. Some of us are under a humane society. And so it's going to depend on which agency you work for. For our specific agency, I work out of an animal shelter, right? And so we have all those people in place, all those, I, I would say partnerships in place uh, to work with rescue groups. We work with, uh, we have our own foster team who can uh, take animals in need. And so uh, transferring animals to and from, uh, we do that quite regularly. That's really cool. And that makes total sense. So it's just kind of, there's so many different uh, organizations one can work for in this field. What do you think is, I know you kind of mentioned this earlier, like the direction the career is headed right and where do you think it's headed in the upcoming years like and and what kind of growth has it seen uh in since this really has been around i mean how long has this career even been around right like was it like i mean early 20th century right or before after i don't know in 1774 a man named henry bird uh, founded the aspca he uh, went on to, to really start this industry here in this country. And uh, I, I, at some point, uh, the profession was kind of what we are now, where we're animal protection officers and we're doing investigations and all that stuff. But at some point, this country had a pan another pandemic, believe it or not, and that was rabies. Uh, rabies was something that uh, early on, was and, and still is 99% fatal. And, and so our profession kind of uh, split 
where the dog catcher really became the forefront and then the animal protection officer kind of went into the shadows. And once we got that problem kind of controlled with pet licensing and rabies requirements and those type of things, uh, it, it really is starting to bring the focus back to where we are now. Everyone has seen a movie, uh, like a Disney movie or a cartoon movie or something where the animal protection officer is portrayed as the dog catcher, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yep. a lot of my peers will be like that. Like, and I was this way early on. I was like, man, I hate this. This is stupid. The reality being that was a reflection of what we, our product. That's who we put out there. Like, and I'm not trying to bash the old timers, but like real talk, like the dog catcher was not just some really creative mind at Disney. Like they were basing it off of their experiences with their community's dog catcher. And so what I'm starting to see, and I think what we're starting to see as the profession continues to grow is really well-informed, well-educated, well-spoken, um, empathetic uh, animal protection officers that really are community oriented and are there to help, right? And there, are, there is a level of enforcement, uh, but we're not that dog catcher that has been portrayed for several years and, you know, not that anymore. Yeah. And I think that was also one of my questions was just like these common misconceptions, because, you know, I know for the longest time for me, I had this same image in my head where it was just like these guys that go around with these like nets and they catch dogs and, you know, like it's you're right. So but I like that taking responsibility. You're just like, yeah, like that's how it was. And, you know, we're on the forefront of changing that. And I know you kind of touched on this. You know, you said rabies was this huge pandemic. Do you think in this upcoming century, you know, we still have a little ways to go, anything like that's going to happen again? Or do you think the systems are in place now to really kind of like nip it in the head before it kind of grows into anything crazy? Well, as far as rabies goes, like we're, we're there, right? We have the vaccination. It's required for all your animals. Look, I mean, no one thought COVID would happen and it happened. I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like with animals, it's always unpredictable and so sure uh, something could pop up uh, like rabies did, you know, and, and then obviously we would have to take action the way uh, that was most appropriate for public safety. That's a good point. Yeah, because it's like you can't ever just think like, all right, we made it, guys, like nothing else is ever going to happen because that's like a dangerous state of mind to be in. <laughs> you know, let's kind of wrap things up here in terms of like, let's say someone they want to get they, you know, I know you mentioned go volunteer and stuff, right? What are some good resources out there for someone to learn more about this profession? I think it's an amazing, like you said, like getting empathetic and like, uh, you know, so like emotionally intelligent people in this career, I think could completely, it's going to be where it changes. So where can people like that research this, if it might be something that they're interested in or something like that? Well, since we're on a podcast, let's start with the podcast that I host. Uh, we have called the Humane Roundup, and it's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our website, humaneroundup.com. That's one place to go because we talk everything animal welfare. A lot of it is dedicated to our specific profession, the animal protection officer. Uh, and we have a, a lot of great resources there. I mentioned some of the um, earlier places that, that have training quite often. So the National Animal Care and Control Officer Association, uh, give that a quick Google. You can Google the National Animal Cruelty Investigation School. 
and and Code Three Associates. They have an animal control officer coalition. Those are the big three I would start mm-hmm. with, and then uh, you know just just reach out if people have questions. Come to the to our website, and and we'll we'll be there to help out. Yeah, and that's such an amazing like that you're that you have that podcast that's talking about this. Like everyone, go check it out. And no matter what medium you're listening on, links to everything he said will be in the description below. But yeah, Daniel, I mean, I really appreciate it, man. I mean, I think you're doing an amazing thing out there, spreading the word, and you're being a good example of what an animal protection officer and that whole career field should be. So I appreciate it, man. And thanks a lot for coming on. Thanks for taking the time out to to interview to interview me today. And, and honestly, I, I hope that we can continue to connect throughout time as, you know, what we're doing is pretty much the same thing. It's just in different, uh, I guess, different arenas. So if we're able to, you know, continue to connect, maybe check in, discuss certain topics, I'd love to come back on, man. I would love it, man. I would love to have you on. I know everything's changing and all these, you know, we're getting out of a pandemic and who knows what that's going to bring. So why? Yeah, I look forward to it, man. Thanks a lot for coming on and uh, 